There are so many experts that we can interview and talk to. There, there are so many of them. I barely scratched the surface in all my episodes about uh, talking to these experts who have studied and researched um, and been, a, been privy and party to the new forward-moving advancements in mental health care and addiction recovery. But we have always known now for about 40 years that listening to a peer, listening to someone who struggled with it, and listening to them tell their story can teach you everything you need to know, which is why Addicts Helping Addicts is so important. Why someone who's struggling with bipolar and has done very well in navigating that experience can help another person with bipolar do the same. My guest today is a recent graduate of our program and you'll hear some you'll hear some tidbits you'll hear some cut-ins with his his mom his mom talking about what it's like uh, this is this is unique because it's so soon i haven't waited he did very well in in treatment he did very well in recovery he was well liked um but i didn't want to wait in getting him on the air i wanted him to talk about his experience soon after treatment. I wanted you to hear about his experience in treatment. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. My name is Aaron Huey. I'll be your host for this and all the episodes. Uh, and my guest today is a recent graduate, a young man from Fire Mountain. And we're going to talk to him about being addicted to screens, video games. What's up, Aaron? How's it going, man? This is, this is really fun. Talk about life before uh, you you went into treatment. Talk about the kind of the why you ended up in a in a recovery program. Before I went to Fire Mountain, there was a lot of discussion about like going to different programs. And one of the ones that I was going to end up going to before this that I'm me and my mom are both glad that I didn't get accepted to was um, Grizzly, the Grizzly Youth Academy, and that one is more like military esque. Like you go in, you're part of a platoon. And I, I was like glad as hell I didn't get into that program. But before I went to Fire Mountain, my days consisted of playing on screens for at least 17 hours and then probably getting an hour or two of sleep and like barely doing anything in school. So I probably had like five S in my last year of school. And that was really bad and i started getting into the whole like skipping classes and getting into this horrible um this horrible routine of just skipping what i didn't want to do because i didn't feel like going there so instead you would find me like sitting out on the benches playing cards when you say cards you're just talking about like like solitaire like solitaire what's the the biggest fear what's the thing that's that keeps you up at night Oh my gosh. Well, the thing that he struggles with the most are the things we use every day. And so my fear is the lack of sleeping because the things that he wants to do are so available. It's his situation is a little different because his is not drugs and alcohol and things that he would have to go out to get. It's screens and gaming and technology. And those are things that we all use every day, you know? So um, the fact that it is so available 
I've had several days where I woke up and thought, oh my gosh, what time did he go to bed? I don't really know. Cause I'm not, you know, he's 17. I'm not going to be like, okay, it's bedtime. Let me tuck you in. I'm not going to do that to him. Um, so allowing him to, you know, make those decisions for himself, set up his own routines around sleep and, you know, putting his technology aside. Cause he does have a phone. He is using a computer. He's doing online school for his senior year of high school. So he needs access to those which things. Which is through Mountain Point. Thank you very nice. much. Yeah, he's going to Mountain Point Academy, which has been awesome. That's good. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's my biggest fear is just that because these things are so available and he needs to use them, that for yeah. him setting those boundaries for himself, if he doesn't do that, it can go off the rails super fast. Yeah. It's, it's kind of my home it's under kinda, my nose. <laughs> right. And it's kind of like asking him not to drink while he's staring at an open liquor cabinet. And exactly. so much of what I want to, um, what I want to talk to him about is how do you do that? Like, how do you manage that? What are, what, what are your successes look like? How do you know? What does a failure look like? How do you know? Do you consider yourself a screen addict? I, in certain aspects, yes. Like 100%. If I'm on YouTube, uh, Xbox playing games, honestly, yeah. Like if I'm on Xbox, there's no doubt I'm playing with my friends. And I would always use this as like, I kind of view, as, view it as an excuse now, but it was like, I would always say, I'm playing with my brothers. And I still kind of use it like that because it's something that I'm used to is I'm playing, I would be playing with my brothers because that's the only way we can connect right now because of the state of the world. We're in this pandemic that we can't really like go to each other's houses and say hi. And so one of the, like one of the easiest ways for us to connect is over games. Yeah. So, well, since March, that was a, that was a pretty good excuse because you got quarantined, yeah. but you were struggling before COVID yeah. started. So, so before that, I was still using that excuse of like, we, well, wasn't using that exact excuse. I was using like, we play because it's fun. This is how we uh, like go through our day. And for me, it was full day. For them, it's like maybe th two, three hours, and then they go to sleep because they know they have school. For me, I'm viewing it as oh, I'll play until I get tired as hell and can't open my eyes. <laughs> As you guys are on the on the back end of this, on the back side of this, what is it that you wish you had more of, uh, practice more of, or done more of during during the recovery process? I think I wish that our contract had been a little bit more specific. I can say that um, it, it was a little bit too general, so we've had to make some changes. But we've been able to do that on our own, so that's because we can have conversations. Um, I don't know that there's a lot I wish we could have practiced more. I think um, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for, you know, I, I don't know the, I don't know that you could ever really truly be prepared for how much I needed to be like present in every moment immediately. Do you, you know what I mean? He was gone for four months. So then he comes back and I'm like, ah, oh my gosh, it's all the time now. And then kind of figuring out, okay, how much can I let go a little bit? And also reminding myself, I have to let go because he has to be given room to make the good choices, which sometimes end up not being good choices, but there has to be room there. And I think that I, I wasn't really 
prepared for that. I kind of had to figure that out myself. So, um, but it was good for me because it, it was a lot of reflection on myself too. And okay, how am I going to handle this differently? And the script, you know, we didn't talk a lot about this, the old script that we used to run all the time. We never really talked about that. So then having that moment of, oh my gosh, we are in the old script right now. It is happening. We're going to stop it. We're going to take a minute and then we will come back with our new tools. And, you know, but a lot of that stuff, I don't know that you can really practice. It's just knowing it's going to be very different and kind of being um, willing to explore what is different and being willing to, you know, give, I don't give the space. I think that was a thing I was like wanting to be all in it when he got home and the contract and all this stuff and giving space has been really important. Did you know it was a problem before you went into treatment? Uh, or yeah. (laughs) Okay. I, I viewed it as a problem. I just couldn't like, I couldn't bring myself to admit it because I didn't, I didn't want to see a, uh, a point where I couldn't like wake up, go on Xbox and say hi to my brothers. Cause that's hard as hell is like to not be able to just go, Hey, what's up? Good morning. Cause that's what we would do. We'd get on and say good morning and just hang out for three, four hours a day. So what about school? What happened? Like, like did it, did it, it just came to a halt? It just stopped. I, I, for my first two years of high school, I went to a separate school um, that wasn't the same as theirs. And then for the school that we all went to for my junior year, we ended up, it's a 4,000 student school. So it's kind of hard to find friends when you are like walking around that campus with 4,000 other students. And so I'm, I, we would have some times where we'd meet at this one tree, but it wasn't like every single day. It was like maybe, maybe six or seven days out of a month. And we had school for five, six months, I think. Yeah. But about six months. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely noticed that it was a problem and just didn't want to admit it. So. What, what was it about, um, the old script that made you realize you were in it? What was the, like the wake up moment where you were like, Oh, this is the old script. We need to take a break. The level of our voices. So the, the old script is, you know, I say something and he immediately, immediately gets to level 10. So, you know, and for me, it's the, you didn't do this thing, you know, so my voice is already accusatory and all that. So then he comes back with a very defensive, very loud. And I was like, okay, the new tools are, Hey, can I talk to you about this for a second? When that happened, this is what it did for me. You know, a lot more words. It's a lot more, (laughs) but it is, you know, making it less about you did this thing and more about, Hey, I don't know if you realize that when you did that, it caused me to feel, you know, like I felt triggered by that thing you just did, because it looks like something you used to do. So, and then he would say, well, that's not what I meant. You know, when I did that, here's what I was actually meaning, or I didn't know I couldn't do that. You know, even being able to say, I didn't know that was something I wasn't allowed to do, 
but the old script is definitely at that much higher level 10. Every word is loud and everything is loud and Chase is walking away and, you know, and I'm chasing after him. (laughs) And in the new setup, the new thing, the new script is very calm. So when it gets to that level 10, it's immediate like, oh, we're better than this. We do better than this now. We don't have to talk to each other like that anymore. What was the best thing about going home? What, what, what was the best thing about the, the, the first moment you got home after you were with us four plus months? Four months and one day exactly, actually, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, four months, one day. You walked in the front door of your house. Honestly, the best part of going home, because um, I didn't go home for another three days. We were actually stayed in Estes for a bit, but... Um, the nice part about it was actually seeing my family. Like there was no part of me that wanted to be on my phone. No part of me that wanted to be on a screen. I just wanted to see my brother and, uh, the rest of my family. And I didn't even get to see my sister until I got all the way home, but definitely seeing family was like the best part. How long did it take you before you wanted to be on the screen where that that old in a way i we used to always say to you guys your your dragons in the parking probably, lot doing push-ups so how long how long was it be- probably as soon as my brother and sister got on my nerves <laughs> <laughs> which is not very it's not very long it's not very long but because it took my brother probably a good five hours to get on my nerves because <laughs> he's that he's that little attached five-year-old that can't let yeah. go And if he does, then he like, he gets kind of sad. So, you know, he has stayed up till three in the morning a couple times, but we've talked about that. So why did that happen? What was it? What could you do different? You know, and there, I don't think I've said things like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't, you know, I don't think I've done that, which I've been absolutely amazed by my ability not to do that because that is very triggering for me. That's an old situation. Um, but real that some, I don't know who said it. I don't know if you said it to me or if the other Aaron said it to me, somebody said he's going to make mistakes. And I just keep remembering that he's going to make mistakes. And it is what we do when that happens. That is the most important thing. Cause if I may, if he makes a mistake and I scream at him about it and we get into our old script and we can't get out of that, well, then what happens? He's not going to, reflect on that and try and do better or even think for himself that he needs to do better. He's just going to fight me. And I don't, that's not productive. And, and what we did fire mountain for, you know, we participated in the whole fire mountain program for this to change. And it has so far. I know I, this is, this is fantastic. And it, it feels like something, something you just said. It's like when we start screaming at the mistakes they make, um, we take away their struggle. We make it our struggle. Like, like we stop letting it be their struggle. We stop letting it be the, the lesson that they have to focus on because now they're focusing on the, our struggle and their struggle with us instead of the fact that he's going to be tired when he does online school the next day. And that's not sustainable. Yep. And he got up. I mean, I came in here and made him wake up. It's like, you don't get to sleep in. You made that choice. This is the consequence, you know? And I think that too, just being, having the boundaries and following through on the consequences, that's been huge too. So the contract is super important just because that's given me, he, he doesn't argue with the contract 
where he would have argued with me, he's like, oh, you're right. I agreed to that. I guess I have to do it. So yeah, that's been another huge benefit. What were your games of choice? Rocket League. Um, there was a lot of single player games. So like, well, Astroneer is not one of them because that's multiplayer. Um, but that one was one of the games I would play a lot. Uh, Forza uh, Motorsport 5. No. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 and Forza Motorsport 6. And then I had one more. Uh, I can't even remember the name of that one. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the newest one that just came out. It's 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 amazing to me because you talked about you know your primary excuse being that you know you, this was the only way you can connect with your, with your friends. Except a lot of what you were playing were single player games. Yeah, uh, most of the time, if we were playing single player it would end up being we all play the same game, start at the same time, and try and get as far as we can at the same time. And then I forgot Minecraft in that. Minecraft is part of that list. <laughs> Minecraft's a big part of that list, actually. That was one of my games that I started when I was in fifth grade, I think. And I started playing that. Um, one of my best friends got me into that game. We no longer talk, but he got me into that game on Xbox 360. And then it became like this huge game. And then about 2015, 2016, it started to die out and then came back. And now it's a, it's a whole new thing again. Um, but I'm still a big fan of that game. I love it. Um, but yeah, any, any game that we end up playing alone, we usually all play together on different, uh, on different like worlds. You are you are not practicing the abstinence model. You're you're working on uh, harm reduction. You're working on uh, personal management, and certainly, you know, the way you managed your work, the ma way you managed your recovery, demonstrated to not only us and the professional team, uh, but but your family that you actually do have management skills. I'm assuming some of these skills have failed you since you graduated. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about a little bit because to, to some of the parents listening, they don't know how to navigate screen time dependency, whether it's video games or social media or stuff, because you can't be offline all the time. You can't practice abstinence. A lot of life is taking place online. So it's like telling you not to drink while you're sitting in front of the liquor cabinet and it's unlocked and people are pouring glasses and leaving them in front of you. Like the, the, the substance is right there. So first talk about the failures. What, what, what were they and what did you do with them? So one of the failures is having this, um, this available, my phone. And so anytime that I have that available, it's like straight to YouTube, straight to whatever. And as soon as I get YouTube or something like that, I'm on there for a few hours because it's- Why? Those, what is it about it? What, what's, what's the hook there? It's one of those sites where you can just go as, like you can dig a hole as far as you want and you'll still find videos that you're interested in, which is like, it's beyond me. I have, I have watched the same video probably over a hundred times and it still makes me laugh for whatever reason. But 
even though I have watched that video over a hundred times, I could still go back and watch it and it still makes me laugh, which is kind of how do you, at what, how do I ask this? At what point does the voice show up and say, dude, you've been on YouTube too long? That's about the time when I'm like dead tired and finally falling asleep, which for me is a serious problem because right now I'm still taking the trazodone. I'm still doing like a sleep med with my routine and being me having um like having nightmares and stuff like that when i wake up and i'm it's like maybe nine in the morning is when i have to go i have to wake up to get into school i'm dead tired i want to go back to sleep and it's because the night before i worked past my med and kept watching videos or kept playing games or stuff like that because if i had if I had just gone with my med, which I did yesterday, which was phenomenal. I woke up at 9.30 with no problem. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Amazing what with, happens. Huh? I woke up at 9 and I, I turned off my alarm because I was like, you know what? I'm still tired anyway. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not a morning person. I wake up and then I'm like, I need to go back to sleep. And no teenager is uh, a morning person. How, my, how many <laughs> milligrams of trazodone do you take? Uh, 50. 50. Okay. I was on 100 when I started trazodone yeah. at Fire Mountain. And then as I started going home, we lowered it by the time I was out and I stopped taking it for the last few days I was there, but I was still taking TrueCom, which we were trying to sit, we were trying to find here, but we couldn't find it. But I went back up to 50 because I was having a hard time sleeping and my, something with my brain is wired to the point where I can't fall asleep. And so I'm not going along with that med and instead staying up for another three, four hours until I'm finally like, okay, yeah, my body's going to shut down in a few minutes. Why did you, why did this happen? Like what led up to all of this? How come, how come playing 17 hours and sleeping three, six made sense? What, how did, how did all this happen? How did you get addicted to screens? Honestly, I would say it's mostly from anxiety, anxiety, um, the fitting in cause I wasn't one to go to school and fit in. I was one that in sixth grade, I went to school wearing a Christmas hat in July. So, <laughs> um, so I wasn't one of those kids that would go to school and care what people think. Oh, your, your Panda costume is oh. legend. <laughs> 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 oh i should have worn the hat damn it um <laughs> that's funny um yeah but uh, like yeah you guys you guys even saw it there is i i wouldn't care who who people would what think can't speak what people would think about me um so it's a it's a cool thing to have but even ha like when you see someone that has that i'm like almost guaranteed from my experience, every single time someone has that, they have anxiety about what people are thinking. Like they, they won't show it, but they, they really do. 
What is it about video games? Because now let's let's look at this logically. What is it about video games that have flashing lights and really intense music and repetitive, uh, uh, you know, high pitched sound that's triggering parts of your brain that helps you with anxiety? It seems to me, being someone who's very high strung myself, video games don't calm me down. How did video games, seventeen hours a day, possibly help you out? For one, um, a lot of what I would do is um, with Rocket League, which is one that I can use as a huge thing, is I would put on Spotify, listen to a playlist, and do things um, on like on a loop, like repetitively until I got something down. And it was practicing the moves, practicing practicing these things that would get my brain out of the headspace of these people care what I look like, blah blah blah. And so. Um, I would just kind of be thinking like, oh, if I go and do this for an hour or two, then I'll be good. And then I'd end up being on there for three or four hours because then my friends get on. We all can hop in a party and go play Minecraft, which is another one that would also get my brain off that headspace is we'd go and like if I was having a hard time. So this last September, my grandma passed away and so did her dog. And we ended up like I I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was sitting in my room for a good week, like not wanting to talk and just kind of laying here. And I was like, that was when I was like, I felt depression, but I, I'm not one that has depression. I just feel it at certain points. So like when my grandma passed away, she was a huge supporter of me and a huge person that, um, like showed a lot of love. So when that happened, um, after a week of my friends not being able to get a hold of me, my, my brother literally just texted me on Snapchat and said, Hey, get on Xbox, get in a party chat. Let's talk. And we ended up getting on Minecraft talking for two hours. And after that, he's like, so how are you feeling? And I was like, you know what? Pretty good. And we kept playing for another three or four hours and just played Minecraft for however long until my other two friends got on. Which in, in that scenario makes a lot of sense. The problem was that was happening every single day. When you came into your recovery, what was the hardest? Did I mean, did you did you go through withdrawal symptoms? Did you were you jonesing for a screen hit? Honestly, that was the weird part. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't ever remember you talking about it. I mean, you would play magic, you'd do no. some cards every now and then, but you were engaged, you were connected. Yeah. As soon as I got into an uh, an opportunity to not have screens it was really weird. Like I, I knew I didn't have access to it. So there wasn't any like asking, Hey, um, can I go on a screen? It was me being in a space where I didn't have screens. I had people to talk to. I had people that I lived with it. Like it wasn't a place where I could just be like, okay, I'm going to go sit on a screen for four hours. It was me going and being like, okay, I'm going to go play sorry or something like that. And I ended up doing something awesome. I budgeted $200 for board games. So that everyone had more stuff to do, which I thought was super cool. <laughs> so, but other than that, I think what one of the things that got my mind off of um, off of video games was doing hikes, doing hikes, doing um, doing art with Bill. That was one of my highlights. Which God bless that man. <laughs> yeah, Bill. Bill was an awesome. Was awesome. We miss him. We miss him deeply. Yeah. I, I very much hope he's doing well because he is he was one of the best teachers that I ever could have. 
He was uh, a good teacher. Agreed. Everybody and, misses him. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bill, if you're listening, we miss you at Fire Mountain. Your bear tribe misses you. Yeah. Um, but, again, into that, like, I just didn't have anything to really think about. Like, in like maybe every once in a while, I would talk about it with Aiden because I know he's a, he's a Rocket League player. Which sure. Is kinda, it was kind of cool to know him. Like, the first day I walked in, I met Aiden, and I started talking to him. Um, and then after that, I met Nick G, which was my mentor, and we started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I was, I was having fun. <laughs> so that that kind of replaced the getting on it. What were the hard parts about about recovery? Um, dealing with certain people, most definitely, and then um, having to do stuff that I didn't want to do because I got into that um that sort of a uh what's the word a routine of um not going to certain classes because i didn't want to but when it got to that point of if you're not here on time when you're supposed to be you're going to get x's i was like shit i don't want to do that i don't want to get x's i want to be out and so in my mind i'm thinking well if i'm going to get out i got to do the best i can in this program and get what i'm going to get out of it Cause it's going to help me later on. And so instead of um, not going to certain classes, they do the popsicle sticks, which I'm kind of sad about that. Cause I never got any of back, but, <laughs> and I, I know that's like, that's kind of prone to DC staff cause or uh, education. Um, but like even the 15 minutes to just go up to your room and hang out and just chill is probably one of the most helpful things that I could have had because it let me just go sit and think about my own stuff for 15 minutes. You guys have through your, your family behavior contract, you guys have made some pretty big agreements about screen time. Um, I mean, obviously some of them have worked because you're doing well. Your, your, your mom says you're doing well. I like she's, you're saying you're doing well. So some things are working. Some things aren't working. Um, Let's talk about what is working. And then I want to talk about your family behavior contract for a second, but what is working? How, how, how's the self-management, the personal management going? I honestly, I've been managing myself pretty well. I've gotten my laundry done every day that I need to. I have gotten full loads of laundry done, folded them, have them back in my dresser. I have been doing extra assignments that my mom gave me. So like right now she gave me crates to paint. And those are about half done. I need to get the inside of two of them done. And then I'm finished with those. And then uh, this last Sunday, we had my coming home, like celebration barbecue. So all my friend, like my uh, two stepbrothers and my friend came over. They're like my group of four that we all kind of hang out and chill. And when they came over, um, we we got to play a little game. Like we got to play a few, uh, few rounds of the game, which was awesome because I haven't played with them in a bit. And so we, we played Rocket League, but it wasn't like we went on, played online. We played 2v2, which is, which was nice. It's a, it's a local game that we can play together, all four of us going against each other, which is cool. Um, and then for the rest of the time, we were just kind of hanging out. We played, um, we played Cornhole, which my grandpa made two boards, and he brought those out when, we, when they came out with us for the graduation at Fire Mountain. They brought those out. We brought them home and then played that on Sunday, which was awesome. But before we even had the barbecue, I was already like helping set up. Um, I helped 
put up lights that were outside. Um, I put up the two cornholes and picked up the backyard before my mom and her uh, fiance ever even got home. So, so, so you're, it sounds like you're, you're, you're participating, you're participating in family, you're participating in life, you're participating with friends and, and you're back in school. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am going through the program that we actually watched the pod or listen to the podcast of uh, the future of school part one and two. And I, I found it interesting as hell. And my mom's like, dude, this is like the perfect school for you as we were coming home. And so it, it took about a week, but after that first week of being home, we were like, okay, let's try this out. And we got in the first meeting with Sarah and I have been in that school for two weeks and it's, going phenomenally awesome what's what's working about it um the fact that it's kind of it's at my own pace and the classes are um designed to work like that but also one of the classes that i'm taking is information technology which is a huge like interest for me is like being able to take that class so Uh, let's talk about the 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 family behavior contract what it sounds like you I mean, I think I could guess what some of the agreements you've made. I'm curious as to what agreements your mom and uh, uh, what your what your mom made were, were was your younger brother and and sister involved in the agreements, or is this just between you and your your parents? It was just between me and my mom. Okay. And one of the biggest ones that's been up there was um, four months, or not four months, two months without video games, so eight weeks which for me still looking at that, even though I went through this four month program, I'm like four months <laughs> plus two. That's, that's a, that's a long uh, time. That's <laughs> half a year, which means half but, of your total existence. No. Yep. <laughs> um, but then I'm also realizing like the two more months is another two months, but I'm in this new situation where I'm back home. I have all of this stuff at my fingertips where I could just go and play and, like do that of course it's not going to lead to like good things it's going to lead to a lot of consequences like negative consequences which for me i would just say like oh damn it (laughs) right um what were some of the agreements your mom made what were what were some of her rules um that was one of her like her rules was the two months but um no i mean that she had to follow not rules for you oh Honestly, I, I kind of screwed up there because I didn't put a lot of like there there was um you have to take like an hour to do something that um, blank wants to do. Try not to use my name. <laughs> um, so we would end up and go do like we'd watch videos for or watch a show for like an hour or go and play. Uh, one of the things I was super happy about when I got home was they found God of War, the newest one that came out on PS4. And we wanted to play that game so long ago when we got the PS4 with it because it was a bundle. And we wanted to start playing together and progress through the game. And so one of the things we're trying to do now is um, like progress through it together and play the game. Do you feel awesome. Do you feel like you have all that under control? I honestly, yeah. I... I wouldn't even put it past myself that like if I did have my Xbox, I could probably end up playing two, three hours and then saying, Hey guys, I got to get off and then 
get off, do what I got to do, take a shower, brush my teeth, get dressed, go to bed. What's the motivator? The why, why would you get off? What's the motivator? You know, a million reasons to stay on. Why would you get I know, off? I know my health is more important than games. How do you and know, I that? know that? Because I've seen myself in that spot where, and this is before I went to fire mountain is I saw myself slowly deteriorating where I would get more tired as days went on. So like, as I went to school every day, I would go to school with one hour of sleep, one hour of sleep, one hour of sleep. And every day I'd get more and more tired. I'd end up falling asleep in one more class every day. So by the, by the end of it, when I was like just ending up to go to fire mountain, I was asleep in every single class for at least 30 minutes each. So, so what's next? What's your, what's your three-year plan? What's your four-year plan? What's your one-year plan? What's next for you? What's next is I'm going to get a job probably at one of the four locations that I have job applications from, for, uh, from being at fire mountain. I, um, I filled out four cause I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so I have four different jobs that I could go and get. And it's kind of all depending on the age variant of what they take. Cause otherwise it's kind of like, well, can't get a job there. Can't get a job there and see who can. Um, but other than that, just continuing on with school, getting my, uh, my senior year done and, that's the, honestly, that's the weirdest part is being a senior in this time where we're stuck at home, knowing I'm probably not going to have a prom, not going to have graduation normally. So that's like, it's weird, but like, it, I'm not like, I'm not opposed to it. I'm like right there going, you know what? Yeah, whatever. No graduation. <laughs> I want to care less. If there was something you wanted parents to understand about their kids going to treatment, not 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 necessarily fire mountain but just anywhere that they might be you know worried that that they're going to learn things at treatment that are going to make life worse or that they're going to be around people who are really unstable and stuff like that i mean certainly you heard people have conversations about drugs and self-harm and and suicide and stuff like that um what do you have to say to those parents for one if you're going to send your kid anywhere Fire Mountain is the place to be. Oh, thanks. Um, I, I, thank you. But, uh, <laughs> well, no, I like, I sincerely believe that because that place helped me a lot. Because I, I honestly, if I had come home to same, the same environment with all my stuff, I probably would be sitting in the same spot I was. And um, so it's awesome having my mom hold that boundary because if she didn't, I would be kind of screwed. Well, your, um, your mom did what we, what we asked, which is she did her work. Yeah. And, also, um, anyone or any kid that's going to go into a facility, as long as the staff there, so like DC staff, if they're, um, they're 100% to be there with the kids and watch over them and make sure that they're okay. There's like no doubt in my mind that they're going to be fine. Cause like, I know there were a few situations where it got out of hand, but no matter what DC staff was in there, they were like they would be there and like making sure it got sorted out. So, but other than that, anyone that is going to a treatment program thinking that they might hear something that will worsen a certain thing in their, in their mind, anytime that that happens, just make sure you have a therapist. <laughs> Cause like, 
I know I had a few times where I was not in, I was not very happy with sure. certain things that were called. And so I went and talked to Aaron, not you, Aaron, but yeah. Aaron Beckella. Um, so yeah. But other than that, it's like just a treatment program can be so much more than you think, especially if the, um, the person that's going is in a good headspace for it. Cause I know when I got there, I wasn't thinking, Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be something that I'm going to hate. I want to go home. I went into it with, you know what? I'm going to come here, get it done and be done with the place and like go back to my life with new skills that are going to help me, which I did. And it's awesome. So, you know what? I let's, uh, let's wrap it there. I, uh, thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Thank you for the, for the, your, your transparency and the whole thing, talking about how you ended up where you ended up and, everything it's it's amazing um i will say if you do go to fire mountain it is definitely hard to see people go because that was one of the first things that i had problem with like or like trouble with was seeing people leave you mean like staff or other other students well staff and students yeah because it's like you see them leave the program and then um like for some people it's hard to get in contact with again but for others it's a lot easier when you're out um so watching people graduate because i i probably saw what about seven graduations and about two people leave for uh various other reasons so there's just there's a thin line of like what can happen and uh like what can happen in one stay because i was there for four months and i had a lot of stuff happen um so there's just there's a thin line of what happens in that one in that four month period but it can either be good by your, your, uh, outcome, like what you're thinking about, what you think can happen. You can have that happen. It's just putting it to work. It's putting it to, to like happen. Like you can put anything from your mind and make it happen. But if you have a bad headspace and you think it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen and you're going to be the one getting the shit for it. Just again, fire mountain has changed a lot of my life and I'm, so Thanks glad for saying for it, that. Because otherwise, I, w- I would have gone home to a completely different thing. So that's, you know, from the mouth, right? That's, that's what you need. You need to hear them talk about it. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more episodes with alumni here on Beyond Risk and Back, just so you can hear their stories and their sides, uh, their tales. What I, what I need you to know, parents, is, look, first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're the type of parent who does the work, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, because that's the entire point of what we're doing here, is to give you the support you need to help you support the teens who need support. And what I can tell you about this this teen's mom is that she did the work uh and you you know you you heard her throughout the podcast talking about the the things that she's done well the things she hasn't done well you know this 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 relapsing thing it's not about using drugs it's not going to be about him going back to a screen of course that that is considered relapse but so is them yelling at each other when they're when when things are getting tough instead of using the tools right we go back to the maladaptive coping strategies instead of the things that bind us the connection before correction that's 
when you hear them talking about that, that the contract, those were the agreements they made to not do the old things. We're going to mess it up. And that really isn't, isn't a big deal. The big deal is what do you do when you mess it up? Honest to God, that's some of the biggest deal. So thank you for making Beyond Risk and Back these types of episodes the number one parenting podcast. I want to uh, thank Deepin Productions and Your Cause Consulting, both of whom really get behind me and, and help me with Your Cause Consulting, uh, helping me market this stuff to get it into parents' hands who really need this stuff, and Deepin Productions, which not only does the music, but takes this podcast and makes it into a really good-sounding, uh, well-put-together, oiled machine. So thanks to both of them. You can find them on uh, yourcauseconsulting.com and deepinproductions.com. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing, and leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, thank you for that, because it, it helps other parents find help to help the kids they love. And remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because that's how we're going to do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.